In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In the Gospel of tomorrow's Mass, which is the seventh Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year C, we will hear our Lord um, basically giving us a, a commandment. He won't use those words, but he will tell us to love our enemies, to do good though to those who hate you, and pray for those who persecute you. And the passage of the gospel that we read it ends with, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. And so in this time of prayer, and for those of us who are here in this oratory in the presence of our Lord, I invite you to ask our Lord to give us the help that we need to to live this kind of mercy, uh, it, it would say an inexhaustible ability to forgive, to open our hearts to a degree that is, I, at least humanly speaking, and when, you, when, when I hear this, you know, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who persecute you. I think often I've, fallen short of, of this injunction of our Lord. In the, um, in the Beatitudes, or when our Lord, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and he, 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 just, he gives that list of Beatitudes, you know what they are, these, uh, a kind of charter, uh, uh, um, a way of... Uh, a foundational program, if you will, for the Christian life. The Catechism of the Catholic Church calls the Beatitudes um, the, the heart of our Lord's teaching. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So in another, our Lord, once again, in the Beatitudes, we hear this call to mercy, and that we would, we would be merciful because we will obtain mercy. And the, the word Beatitude, apparently, um, it was used for the... Greek gods of the time, that it was referred to them. It wasn't used for human beings, at least according to one scripture scholar. And they were blessed, the Greek gods, because they, they were immortal and they were preserved from the sadness of, of death, which for the pagans was the worst of evils. But it's interesting, it wasn't, it wasn't often said of or ever said of, of a man. And our Lord, 
when he says, blessed are you and the Beatitudes, they're kind of counterintuitive, at least not all of them. And the ending is, you know, blessed are they when they, blessed are you when they persecute you and revile you before my name. So kind of, again, it's kind of this, this paradoxical promise that we have. But I wanted to emphasize that the, the blessedness that our Lord is speaking of apparently is not just a happiness, not just something that's, that's passing, but it's, it's much deeper. It's, um, it's an attitude of the soul. It's a, a stable, let's call it a stable state of our, of our soul as something good that we have. So we're blessed and we're fortunate to have that. Or we have something that somebody else doesn't have. And it's good that we have it. Why do I bring this up? That we believe the Beatitudes, that we believe that when our Lord says, you are blessed when you are merciful. And I think if we think about it and we pray about it now, we'll realize that that's the truth. And maybe it will help us to believe all the other Beatitudes. That there is, when we live by that standard, by what our Lord has asked us or what he proposes to us in the Beatitudes, that we are really fortunate, that we're really blessed, and living that way brings a stable attitude and a joy that brings heaven to this earth, I would say. And so when our Lord says, pray for those who persecute, pray for those, you know, forgive those, forgive your enemies, and be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful, even to a, a let's say, a human, from a human point of view, we come out hugely winners in this, in, in this attitude. Because we're, we're fortunate, we're blessed, we live this stable kind of, of attitude to forgive, and, and we are happier for that. And what's the guarantee, or why do I say that? Because our Lord, Jesus Christ, perfect God and perfect man, He Himself, He lived, He incarnated the Beatitudes. And it's paradoxical that if it was used for the Greek gods to say a state of blessedness, of happiness, but a stable manner, that he used these words for, the le- for those who least resembled the God. You're to embrace suffering, and you are blessed when you're reviled, for my name's sake, for the right reason. When you are cast out, you are blessed when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're blessed when you're poor of spirit, but of course, rich in the things of God. So they become a path to God. And again, it's a, it's a way of looking, it's a way of living. And I would like us to, let, let's take a look at this one. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Or be merciful as your heaven, heavenly Father is merciful. And the sure thing, because our, our Lord did it, did it, our Lord on the cross, when he's suffering, when he is apparently, from a human point of view, he is beaten. I mean, it's from a human point of view, being on the cross is a complete and utter defeat, without a doubt. Undergoing the torture that he did, and then agonizing on the cross, his last moment. He was being taunted, he was being reviled, he was being mocked. And as we know, he's the son of God. This is uh, something we will have 
opportunity to meditate, to pray about as we enter Lent in a couple weeks. But in the midst of that, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Be merciful to those who persecute you, who, who give you a very hard time, to put it mildly. And if we can do that, we become like him. And we not only have the mercy of God, we can say we have the happiness, the, 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 the peace of God. They, the Beatitudes do make us happy. And we can believe this because our Lord leads the way. Lord, help me to be merciful. Help me to be able to forgive. And that's something, the fact of the matter is, you probably realize this, but we pray for this every day. We pray that we will be able to forgive others who trespass against us. And if we don't, that we, our, our, our trespasses, our faults won't be forgiven. Every time we pray to our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So there's a, we're, even ma- we're making our forgiveness from, from God dependent upon our being able to forgive other people. I remember, I don't know if it still exists, there was this uh, cartoon called The Family Circus. I think maybe it's still in print, or it's syndicated. It was about a, a family, husband and wife, three or four kids, maybe five, all little ones. And there was, it was, had sometimes the guardian angels were present in this family. It was, it was completely secular. But it, I remember one of them very well, because the little guy, Billy, is kneeling at the edge of his bed and he's saying his night prayers and he, he's saying, and get, and, and give us our trespasses as we give it to those who trespass against us. Is that not, not quite right, but and maybe with a mentality of, you know, you give us and we'll give it out. We'll dish it out to those who give us a hard time. Um, I, think, I think that's somewhat, unfortunately, our attitude, even when we don't want it to be. And we have to learn how to be merciful. Humility is absolutely necessary for this. We, we, have to, we have to be able to see humility is the, is the foundation of all the virtues. It's the soil, the good soil in which all the virtues must grow. And humility, which means that I have a certain amount of self-knowledge, that I, that I have the humility to see my defects, to see my weaknesses, and to realize, to acknowledge, I need to acknowledge, you know, well, if other people annoy me, I probably annoy other people. If, I've, if people have been bad to me, I've probably been bad to other people. I'm not perfect. And if somebody really gets on my nerves, I probably in some way get on other people's nerves in some way. Or I haven't been as kind as I should have. I've been thoughtless. And we don't want to be blinded by pride so that we aren't able to have mercy. It's true. Pride blinds us to mercy. Whereas a humble soul usually has very little critical spirit. If we find ourselves constantly kind of judging others at odds, a critical spirit, a hardness of heart, we should ask for more humility, a a greater self-knowledge. In the parable that our Lord tells, you know the parable of the unforgiving servant? Therefore, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a, to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. 
when he began the reckoning, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. This is a, a rather enormous amount of money, or a big amount of money. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So it is quite a debt because he's going to be put in jail or sold into slavery with his, with his family. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, Lord, have patience with me and I will, I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that servant released him and forgave him his debt. He gets off completely free. But that same servant, as he went out, which is the, 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 the parable is, again, we consider our Lord's words, and as he left, just being forgiven a huge debt that he could not pay, and he asked for mercy, he comes across one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, much less than 10,000 talents, small amount in comparison. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and besought him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison till he should pay the debt. Now there's no, it's no wonder that in this, in this parable that our Lord tells, that the fellow servants, when they see this happening, and they probably know the story, you get the sense, they know the background, and they're, they're taken aback, they're surprised, I think they're probably horrified, at least we put ourselves in their place, and we consider that they know this fellow had just been re- relieved of a huge debt. Maybe they themselves were relieved of some sort of debt from the goodness and graciousness of the master, as he was settling the accounts with the servants, and realize they can't pay. Okay, fine. Well, listen, don't, don't, don't let it happen again, and that's what we'll do. But this man went out and was unable to show mercy, was blinded that he didn't want to, and his fellow servants, so they go and tell the master. He refused and went and put him in prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what, he, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you besought me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And he throws him in the prison until he pays everything. The... um, the heart of that servant is, is, at the very least, blinded by a pride where he was able to acknowledge uh, the gift of the debt forgiven, the, the, the magnanimity of his Lord, or at least his good disposition towards him in, in forgiving his debt, of, of writing it off, of, of the pity and the mercy, the mercy that he received the forgiveness that he received. And his heart is still, it's amazingly full of anger and, and, and full of smallness and pinched. And, and his, that servant's life must have been pretty, I think it's pretty awful. Pretty, always in kind of a bad mood and cranky and upset. Life isn't fair. And why, always judgmental in the, in, the, in, the, in the truly bad sense of the word, of seeing other people and 
saying, why do they do it? Why is that? Why is and and it, judgmental and it grates against me. Certainly no gratefulness. Well, we, it, our situation may not be as dramatic, but we can tend towards that. And St. Josemaria helps us to, to be able to, to overcome it. He says, force yourself, if necessary, always to forgive those who offend you from the very first moment. I think from the first moment is important that we, we are here, Lord, to ask you for a heart of mercy, a heart of tenderness, and a heart that, that has a disposition to forgive from the very first moment, from the first inkling of, of anger, critical spirit. And maybe we were treated badly, but we are able to, we, we can accept that and unite it to your cross, Lord, and, and forgive that person, but quickly. For the greatest injury or offense you can suffer from them is nothing in comparison to what God has forgiven you. That's true. Nothing in comparison to what God has forgiven us. And our offenses against God, as you probably understand, offense against God is in, has a certain infinite aspect, even if it's in something small, because of who he is. Our offenses against, you know, a brother or sister is not good, and we should not try not to do it and to ask for pardon when we do. But if you know, getting a little tussle or whatever, well, it's it's worse if it's against mom or dad because they're our parents, and it's worse for us if it's against God because He's God, and that's precisely the. God's omnipotence, St. Thomas Aquinas would say, God's omnipotence is shown in that he's a God of mercy. He does forgive. And be, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. It would be great if, if all of us, uh, all of us Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, could put into practice this injunction, this command, this of our Lord, this desire. And also be merciful because you will receive mercy. And the first mercy you receive is, is in your own life, your own heart. The blossoming of a merciful heart is wonderful to live with. I don't know if you've, because we may say this is, too, this is really almost too difficult, at least to love enemies and forgive those who hurt us. But it can be done. It needs, I, think, I believe it needs God's grace. But there's a wonderful story of, of uh, Louis, Louis Zamperini. Have you heard of him? He's the, he's the main character of the, the book and the movie Unbroken, the book by Laura Hillenbrand, I think. And he, um, he, was a great, he was a great runner from Torrance, California, a great runner. Uh, competed, I think, in the 36 Olympics, uh, but then was drafted, shot down over the Pacific, spent 47 days in a life raft, which I think is the record of open boat, maybe the second, and then was captured by uh, the Japanese, put in a prison camp, and spent two years there. And unfortunately, the, the commandant of that prison camp was apparently very cruel, especially towards Louis Zamperini, that every day was, was awful, a living hell. And when he got back home, he was released, liberated. He went back home, and there was 
great happiness and sort of celebration. But his life took a bad turn for a while. He became, he drank to the point where he blacked out. He had constant nightmares of being in the concentration camp. And it wasn't until he could forgive the commandant especially, they call him the bird, the bird. It wasn't until he could forgive him that he was released from that, that he, his life did change again for the better, that he stopped the alcohol and, and he was isolating himself from his family and friends. And what did it was he heard, a, apparently came in contact with or heard a, um, a sermon by Billy Graham. He encountered Christ. And a Christian, he encountered Christ, Christian, not Catholic, but, but he was able to finally forgive. And one of the things he apparently says about this is that he realized that for years, you know, when he, when he was in the concentration camp, he prayed every day, or often, quite often, and in the, in the boat, prayed, Lord, please get me out of this. Please get me home. Just get me home. And he did. And he realized, you know, I didn't really acknowledge that. I didn't really, wasn't grateful for that. But the peace came when Louis begged God to forgive him for not being conscious that, that he did answer his prayer. And, and then the, the help that the, the Christ tells you to forgive, asks you to forgive, that he was, that he was able to write to his, the prison guard. He even wrote a letter to the commandant that Christ says to forgive, and I forgive. And that released him. He stopped drinking. He got his life together, back on track. So be merciful. It, with a merciful heart, life blossoms within us. And we, we are the beneficiaries. We go around life much, with a much better attitude. In fact, it's, it's wonderful because our, our heart opens up. We can bring the blessedness, the blessedness, the blessed are you, fortunate are you if you're merciful because your heart opens up. You bring heaven on earth. You bring heaven to yourself and you bring heaven to other people because you inspire other hearts to open up. You inspire them to blossom with joy. A merciful person can see other people's sorrows and respond. They can see their defects through Christ's eyes. They, they are able to make room for them in their heart and forgive. They understand. And they obtain a kind of mercy. St. Maria would say that to forgive with your whole heart, with no trace of a grudge, will always be a wonderfully fruitful disposition to have. And that is true. It's a wonderfully fruitful, life-giving blessing to have, a way of being that spreads that blessedness to others. And most of the time, we, there may be big things in our lives and sometimes difficult to forgive, and, and it's a real thing because people really do suffer and sometimes suffer cruelly. I mean, that, that Louis Zamperini could forgive you know, two years of, of malicious torture is, is a great. And other people find themselves in situations they have to forgive. But until they can with Christ's grace. And again, I ask you, Lord, to help me to forgive whenever I need to. I don't think I've ever been asked in a huge thing that sometimes people are asked. 
But you can see when, it, when, it's, when it, it's impossible to forgive, the life is hard. As the author of that book said, that I thought of an insight of this, unbroken it. Until he could do that, he was still tied to his captor. He's, his captor still had him in, as, a, as a kind of, in a sense, a quote, broken man. And once he was released from that, that forgiveness, then he was no longer tied to it. But for the most part, our, our forgiveness is going to be in little things. It's going to be developing the, the habit of forgiving. The habit of forgiving in daily life. And, and maybe that's a prerequisite to be able to forgive those who really go after us, to forgive, to pray for our enemies, those who persecute us, to really pray and to really forgive. But most of the time, again, it's, it's, it's really day-to-day life. Little things. So, you know, we get annoyed at people. We, get, we, we know their idiosyncrasies. They begin to bother us, especially you know, people we live with for a while, their roommates or, or classmates, friends even. They're, not, they're still our friends, but sometimes, you know, they, things rub us the wrong way. Certainly people who are married, they love each other, but there still can be way, they, little things that get in the way. I think in this regard, C.S. Lewis is wonderful. He's a wonderful, I, I consider, anthropologist in a sense. Of, he knows humans. He knows how we react. He knows how kind of the mind works and original sin, how it works in our soul and the way we look at things. So he wrote this book. You probably heard it, The Screwtape Letters. It's a, it's a book of letters, you know, obviously fake letters, of a, a senior devil in hell writing to his junior devil nephew. And he's teaching him how to be a good devil. He's teaching him how to how to tempt people, and he gets into the psychology of it and how you can really kind of bamboozle people with their kind of stupidities, their self-centeredness, their pride, their, their shallow outlook on life. And so in one, one letter he writes, when two humans have lived together for many years, it usually happens that each has tones of voice and expressions of face which are almost unendurably irritating to the other. He says, work on that. Bring fully into the consciousness of your patient, the patient being the person he's done, which happens to be a kind of a young man who recently converted, lives with his mother. Bring fully into consciousness of your patient that particular lift of his mother's eyebrows, which he learned to dislike in the nursery, and let him think how much he dislikes it. Let him assume that she knows how annoying it is and does it to annoy. If you know your job, he will not notice the immense improbability of this assumption. And of course, never let him suspect that he has tones and looks which similarly annoy her. As he cannot see or hear himself, this is easily managed. Your patient must demand that all of his own utterances are to be taken at their face value and judged simply by the actual words, while at the same time judging all his mother's utterances with the fullest and most oversensitive interpretation of the tone and the context and a suspected intention. She must be encouraged to do the same to him. Hence, from every quarrel, they can both go away convinced or nearly convinced that they were quite innocent. You know the thing. I simply ask her what time dinner will be, and she flies into a temper. Once this habit is well established, you have the delightful situation of a human saying things with the express purpose of offending and yet having a grievance when offense is taken. Doesn't this happen? It's kind of, I think sometimes they call it passive-aggressive. It just means not being very humble. It means you know, not having a merciful heart, being kind of you know, annoyed by things and let yourself be annoyed and show that you want to be annoyed, but really not show it. And so that you can say things that are half-veiled and then take offense when, when the person reacts and say, I'm innocent. 
that's um that, that that's that's where that's 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 being to a certain degree the unforgiving steward and the little things but do that daily and do that on a regular basis and do that with certain people and your heart will shrink to the to the measure of the of the unforgiving steward or my heart will shrink as well if I, without our lord's help so that's why he says be merciful as your heaven, heavenly father is merciful and be able to say father forgive them for they know not what they're doing Be able to pray for everyone. And charity, forgiveness does begin at home. The catechism says, you know, the, the home, the family is a domestic church. That's where you learn to pray. We have first learned forgiveness. Often, many times, you learn that at home, especially, where that forgiveness is necessary, where mercy is necessary. I mean, Where mercy flourishes, happiness flourishes. A heart grows. Our outlook in life changes in many ways. And lack of forgiveness is, of course, lack of mercy. It's keeping the wound open. It's to resent. And to resent means race and tire, to feel again, to open the wound again, to not let it go. Race and tire, to resent. That's, um, that's not forgetting. And then we become peacemakers, which is great as well. That's one of the great, the great beatitudes, the peacemaker. They bring, because, precisely because you bring the blessing of Christ's presence to that place to, with peace, to where you are. We avoid pointless arguments. We, 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 we try to overcome, you know, irritating irritation, irritating situations. We try to be positive. We, we try to be a peacemaker. And then the peacemakers are called children of God. Let's ask Our Lady, whose heart was full of the love of God, and certainly must have been a great peacemaker and most merciful, that she can help us to live according to this ideal, not ideal, this, this call of all Christians, to be merciful as God the Father is merciful towards us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.